0: is the second time i've had to reclaim my property from you that belongs in a museum so do you
1: okay here we go next seminar up february 17th through the 19th then april 14th through the 16th then june 9th through the 11th for training camps on the list we have a press and bench press camp on april 1st in long island following camps are all squat and deadlift camps next one up february 11th in orlando at starting strength orlando March 5th in Las Vegas, March 19th in Queens, New York, April 8th in Phoenix. We also have a bunch in the pipeline that are about to be posted. That includes some in Seoul, South Korea, Toronto, Canada, Guadalajara, Mexico, Omaha, Baltimore, Bristol, UK, and Beaverton, Oregon all set to come out in the next couple weeks. So keep an eye out on the website for those as we continue to mention. We are looking for coaches starting strength coaches to be specific. So if you think you're interested in becoming a coach or want to see what it takes to become a coach, head over to starting Check out the coaching tab, fill out the form, see what the criteria are and who knows, maybe you can embark on a new career, but we are in need of coaches. That is the only bottleneck to opening more gyms. And as usual, for more information on anything that I've talked about, head over to starting and check out the right-hand side of the homepage.
0: Uh, we've got uh, what we would call a departure from our normal curriculum here. Uh, today, we're going to talk to Rick Schwallenberg and Katherine Hatcher about their version of the same thing we do, which is education on the weekends. They offer a weekend education product, just like starting strength seminars. And they operate a company called The Driver's Edge and their website is thedriversedge.net thedriversedge.net and if you want to learn how to drive a car fast on a track these guys will show you how to do it and uh uh Rick and Katherine I sure appreciate you guys being with us today on the show uh, Thank you for having us i was uh, I was at the the uh, the weekend uh, school at uh, uh, a track down by Decatur, Texas called Eagle canyon mm-hmm. Raceway and uh, this is a two point seven mile track and there are about sixteen turns in the thing so we're not talking about hundred and eighty mile an hour track we're talking about You trying to drive the thing at 70 miles an hour around curves and and learning how your car operates is the the basic thrust of this of this course. And uh, uh, I had a hell of a good time down there and I learned a whole bunch of important things. And if you guys will remember, we have talked to uh, Fred Ashmore about his experiences driving. If you can call what he does driving, and uh, uh, this is the guy that broke the cannonball run record in a <laughs> in a rented Mustang GT,
1: <laughs> he goes
0: and rents a Mustang GT, pulls all the seats out of it, put gas tanks in it and everything, and goes and does the cannonball run, and then turns the car back. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no one's the wiser
0: oh my god what a deal it, it is it was a fun show just to listen to this complete lunatic talk about this stuff but it's uh uh you know i i like driving i like cars everybody that watches the show knows this you know i've spent money on cars and stuff is i mean you know i don't owe anybody any money and i'm you know i don't have anything else to spend it on so i've got uh you know how much I spent with Bobby Campbell, my mechanic, last year? And Carmen totaled it up. It's grand. something like that, yeah. This is silly, you know, but I don't spend it on anything else, so, you know, might as well. So, anyway, uh, I thought I'd ask Rick and Catherine to come on the show today and and talk about this very, very interesting opportunity they give you if you've got a fast car or even if you've got a toyota camry i saw a guy out there in a toyota camry in october and uh out there trying to drive this camry on the on the on the track and it was just that but the the let me briefly describe how this experience worked is is they they're an amazingly similar to our our product. They have classroom time and they have track time. Classroom, track. Classroom, track. Just like we do. We start off on Friday night and we talk for four hours of lecture and then next morning we do the squat and we talk about the squat for about two and a half hours and then we squat for about two hours. And then we come back that afternoon and we talk about the deadlift and then we deadlift and then we talk about... The bench press, then we bench press, and Sunday morning we talk about the power clean and do the power clean, and that takes about three and a half hours. And then we bench press, and we do the same thing, then we have programming lecture in the afternoon. And their product is amazingly similar to this. It's, it's divided between classroom time and track time, and everybody that's in the school has got an in-car instructor and this is just a hell of an interesting experience. And, I mean, you guys have, that are interested in cars uh, have watched the races all your life. Here is an opportunity for you to take your car out on an actual no-shit racetrack and drive hard and learn how to do it. And the, the things that you learn will benefit you on the street. And uh, I was just uh, fascinated by the, the way that I drive my car now uh, after, after I got home and the things that I learned down there that I think about when I'm, when I'm driving. So I wanted Rick and Catherine to tell you guys about how they had this idea for the, for the, for the course and how it all works and just educate us on what you guys are doing.
3: Rick had the idea, so we'll let him talk about his history uh,
1: with
2: it. It started a long, long time ago. It's been 28 years now. Wow. And um, it started all through a passion, passion for motorsports. And uh, I did uh, some racing and um, learned a lot, spent a lot of money, and learned, uh, did some crewing for some teams and learned, um, what I really enjoy doing is sharing the passion of driving. And that's how the school developed. It started as a, a hobby and then uh, we honed it through the years and added more to it. And uh, the curriculum grew and the, the, it's developed into a, a well-run school at this point in time that uh, we really enjoy doing. It's a, it's a, the, the thing you might know is it's, it's a, is fun for us as it is for the drivers to see them experience this and their, their, uh, skills grow and, uh, learn things they didn't know even existed.
0: Well, I could tell that from watching you guys at the school, I mean, we were, uh, you know, it's a, it's a pretty intense two days and I, you know, I can tell when people are, are at work versus, uh having a good time and you guys are having a good time and it's uh it bleeds over to everybody else in the course this was a great way to spend a weekend and it wasn't that much money it really was not i'm surprised you can do it as reasonably as you can so uh catherine how did you get your uh involvement in this and where did that come from
3: it was completely accidental. <laughs> I was not looking for a driving course. Um, when, at the time that I started driving, I um, would pick a new hobby or something to try every year. And I had to stick with it for a year. So I did ballroom dancing. I did Wing Chun. Um, and then I had a client who I was coaching in the executive world. And I we were working on some things. And I said, why don't you try this skill outside of work? Um, what do you do uh, other than work and family? He said, I'm a driving instructor. And I said, Oh, you poor thing. Those 15 year olds must drive you crazy. And he said, (laughs) I'm not that kind of driving instructor. instructor. (laughs) And I said, what do you mean? And that month I signed up for the course and I've never looked back. And, um, I started later than most people do as a, and, As a woman, you know, I had my uh, target on my back all the time because um, this was probably about six years ago, not as many women uh, in the field at all. And here's this older woman in a hoity-toity white little Mercedes trying to drive. And uh, so, um, it, you know, it was it was. Uh, Many times I asked myself, why did I do this to myself? But the reason I always made myself stick to things for at least a year is when you're learning something new, it's, and a lot of times it's not very much fun. And there were times I was not having fun, but I didn't want to quit. And so I, you know, when I first learned ballroom dancing, the instructor used to tell me, ask me if I had a drink, because I couldn't, I wasn't, I wasn't in balance. You know, I didn't know how to balance very well. So, you know, it wasn't that much different with the driving is I overanalyzed everything. I'm a body language expert. And and so I overanalyzed everything instead of just driving. And so um, that's how it started. And, and then I'm an educator by trade. I'm a public speaker. And so Rick recognized that that is a skill set that I have. And so soon I'm teaching in the classroom and really, really enjoying it. So it was fun.
0: Well, I think that's a... a a good observation when we learn new things one of the uh common experiences that everybody has is uh having the fact that you don't know what the hell you're doing um thrown up into your face right and to work through that requires humility and it requires a a focus on the fact that I'm here to learn. I'm not here to teach. I'm here to learn what the hell I need to be doing. And uh, the way you guys have the school set up is uh, is uh, very, very productive. The, my in-car instructor's name was Jeff Hastings. And
3: mm-hmm.
0: the guy, is a, he was a good teacher. Mm-hmm. He was real good at this. And he knew exactly what I was doing all the time. He knew what I was thinking all of the time. He could tell what I was thinking by watching my feet and my hands. And um, it, was a, it was a very productive weekend. And uh, uh, I would guess that uh, the way you select these people uh, is they drive with you, and they've been through the higher levels of the course, and you recognize in these people the ability to communicate.
2: Yes. We build within, just like any good corporation. Uh, The beauty of this is we get to see them. Basically, we know their personalities. We know how they handle different situations. We get to see them in action and uh, watch them from afar for quite a long time. And then we can groom them into becoming instructors. And they they know the ins and outs. They know exactly what the students are going through. Um, something I laughed at, something you said earlier about the fun. Um, part of that is we have fun to try to get you guys to relax. Because you know as well as anybody, sure. Mark, you have to relax to receive and learn. And uh, oh, um, that without that, you're you're overthinking and, and, uh, overdoing. So, um, yeah, we anyways, do it the
0: same way. We're, uh, yeah, we're, uh, I, I know. A bunch of funny, funny, funny people here at starting straight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
3: well, and, and, you know, uh, because Rick has been doing this so long, I mean, we get people in that, you know, I've, I felt like I was a very good driver on the freeway, but we learn very quickly it's very different <laughs> driving on a track than a freeway, mm-hmm. and there are no speed limits. And so we get these people that have beautiful cars, and I'm a good driver, and sometimes we have to show them that. Um, honestly, you don't really know, you know, Anything how to drive a about car. what the
0: hell you're doing.
3: Well, <laughs> well we never say well, that, but no, you know, no, I mean, but it, the, but there's the smart word.
0: people arrive at that conclusion themselves. What's, and I had no idea there are when well, you're driving on a track like this. There are no lanes, there are no speed limits, there are there is nothing to keep you from running into somebody else except you and them. And, and there's a, there is a set of rules that everybody follows. And, you know, I don't think that you guys kill more than one or two people a weekend.
2: Oh, really?
0: uh, Don't say that. Don't say that. Well, all right. So one or two people, whatever, you know, but it's, uh, look, it's not, it's driving around a 2.7 mile track with 16 turns in it is at 70 miles an hour is not safe With it's the inherently elevation. not safe you have to make it safe and part exactly. of getting up to 70 miles an hour is learning to make it safe at 50 miles an hour and well, learning um, how especially how your car reacts to driving through curves fast yeah. and that's yeah. that's the the primary i think primary lesson that we're learning on that right. track right
2: Right. Well, um, first of all, seventy miles an hour. Um, several people go over seventy. That's that's just yes. one thing. But I, I think brass taxes. The majority of our client base is males, and men think they can do two things great, and one is driving, and the other is
0: lifting weights. Sex. The yeah. other is lifting weights. <laughs> no, no, and our no, no. our client well, base is well, exactly the same things. as yours.
2: Three things. And the bottom line is, is they don't know what they don't know. And um, they come into this arena and uh, it's a whole new ball game. And you're you're exactly right. You have to uh, sit back and and understand this is a learning experience and, and take everything we have to offer yeah. and, and go from there. And it's a hard place to be because you do have to humiliate yourself and you do have to take the back seat. With that said, we love the women students, and we've seen, Mark, you would be surprised. We've seen as much as the field be 20% women out there, um, and, and it grows over the years. And we love the women because they come in without the testosterone and the ego.
0: <laughs> and That's and, what shooting instructors actually, will tell you, too.
2: I, you- I hope I don't hurt your, your audience out there, but... Women can multitask; men cannot, and this is something we discover soon. So, um, anyway, it's 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 such a pleasure uh, just experiencing both both angles and, and and teaching these people, and that's what we really enjoy. So,
0: well, you guys do a real good job of it. I I like uh, most of the learning as far as my experience was 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 in the car from jeff and the the classroom stuff was was very informative as well but most of the takeaway stuff i learned in the car because that's what i'm there to learn how to drive
3: you know. well, you may right, because you're touching,
2: you sh- feeling, and going through yeah. the motions. But right. what um, in the in the two-day courses, I, I think you were there just for one day. Um, you had some car issues. But in the two-day course, you really get into the, the heads of the students with the class mm-hmm. and the mental set. And that really comes in play behind the wheel. Um, Catherine always, the, the one reason she was bought into this, she's such a, a big asset of this, is... For the emotional and the mental side of driving, and people don't realize how much that actually plays. People think it's all physical and and such, and it's not. It's it's your it's all in it's all mental. It's really a mental game that you have to uh, overcome and hone your skills from from. So she can elaborate on that much better than I could. But but anyway,
3: well, when you so, when you look at statistics. Um, So let's say you're texting and driving. We know that's all that's a really bad thing. And that's why I um, quit riding my
0: motorcycle.
3: Yeah. (laughs) And I don't blame you. And so um, texting and driving is a bad thing, and um, accidents happen. Um, Studies show that if you are emotionally driving, let's say, uh, you just went through a breakup, or your you know your best friend just died, or you just got a raise and you've been bucking for this raise and this promotion for a long time. You're emotionally triggered, and studies show that you're six times more likely to have an accident in an emotional state than when you text and drive. So,
0: people don't understand. Text and drive?
3: Yeah, more than that, and it's it's amazing because. You know, when you're in an emotional state, you're 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 you've got adrenaline and you're kind of high on that. And that you well, You're takes distracted. Your thinking. Power. Yeah. And it takes your thinking power away. So um, we do talk about the emotional side of driving. And if you talk to any race car driver, they spend a lot of time trying to manage that adrenaline and trying to manage the emotions attached to it. So you get some guy or some woman out there who's very good at driving, they get what sometimes we call red mist. Oh my gosh, I caught that Porsche. I've been trying to catch it, you know, for two laps and now I have it. And we get this what we call red mist where I now I, I want it, I want it, I want it. And that the emotions go up, the adrenaline is released, and then you start making mistakes because the body takes your thinking power away and gives all the blood and oxygen to your muscle groups where you don't need it and away from your brain. So it, I I don't, I don't care what sport you're in and even in your, in your situation, Mark, emotions or mental health plays a big role in being, I would say, being able to deadlift something, you know, you can't be, your brain can't be somewhere else. You've got to be totally in tune with your body. I would think. Well, so one of the we, things we about,
0: that. uh, one of the things about the way we teach the lifts that makes them much more effective than the way everybody else teaches the lifts is we focus on the actual mechanics of the process. We give you something, To think about doing with the barbell as opposed to just picking it up off the floor, which is how it's coached by everybody else. Just pick it up off the floor. No, you can't do that. There's a way to pick it up off the floor correctly. And if you'll focus on these cues, This is what I'm going to do, and it's the third attempt. It's a heavier weight than you've ever lifted before, but you don't think about a heavy the way it is. You think about what you're going to do with it, and this is what I noticed Jeff telling me in the car, the same exact thing. This is the process. These are the Uh inputs that have to go into the car because, you know, I – when you drive on the highway, uh, most of us, I do anyway, I, you know, I drive a, a standard transmission all the time, and I was in my Porsche 997, so I've got a, got a shift. But I will, uh, I'll put it in neutral and coast and not have any input into the car just to save gas. And if I'm going down the highway and I know I'm about to slow down in a half a mile, I might take it out of gear and just let it, let it slow down. You can't do that on the track. There always has to be an input. You either got to be on the brakes or on the throttle. One of the two. And then you have to learn how the brake throttle interplay inter, uh, interacts with the steering of the vehicle. Mm-hmm. So all of that stuff is what you practice. And you have to always be on. And that's a completely different way to drive than anything I'd ever done before. And, uh, it's, you Well, got it's, a, to focus it's a new way of, it-
2: thinking and it actually is very applicable to every time you get behind the wheel so um the balance of the car you don't let go of the balance of the car you maintain control of the car with the throttle and the brake and most people don't realize the brakes don't only slow the car down they also can help it corner they can also help it balance itself same thing with the throttle most of the turning we're doing is using the throttle to throttle steer the car around the track right rather than the steering wheel so it's quite interesting and and you're using all your all all that you have at your disposal in a a balance of efficiency and a balance of aggression to get the car around the track and that's when it gets exciting
0: well it's uh it's certainly a a different experience than i'd ever had before and uh, uh those of you that have always been interested in doing something like this go ahead and do it man it's, it's it's it was fun it was fun and it's productive and it pushes your boundaries and it makes you uh, learn things learning things is always good so how many tracks around the state do you guys use
2: we uh, mainly stick to three Uh, Three of the big club tracks. Um, One's uh, Motorsports Ranch Crescent, which is actually the first club track ever built, I believe, in the world. It's been built over 20 years ago. When I say club track, it's like a golf course, golf club, but it's a road course racetrack. So you
0: join the club and... And it, and it's not you cheap, can, yes. but it gives you access to the facilities.
2: Exactly, just like you would have to a golf green, and that's in that Motorsports Ranch Crescent is in Southwest Fort Worth. It's actually in Crescent, which is between Benbrook and Cranberry. Uh, and then the other track in the uh, dallas fort worth area we use is eagles canyon which is in decatur which is uh recently has new management taking over new ownership and it's a great facility too and it is a club track and the third one we use mainly is in houston motors it's it's not motors excuse me it's houston msr or msr houston and that is a club track too um, these have been around for a while. There's actually people don't realize we have more racetracks in Texas than California does. Um, we've got over six now, um, if you count the professional facilities besides the club tracks. But people always ask me, why did we choose club tracks? Well, the reason we do is because they're easier. The risk factor goes way down. We're we're constantly doing risk analysis with what we do because it is a dangerous sport, and the risk factor goes way down with club tracks. Um, you don't have many impact zones. You don't have the, the track lined with guardrails. You've got plenty of runoff room. So when you do make that mistake, you're not gonna. It's All not right. gonna cost you.
0: It's not fake. And
2: that why they're great for teaching and that's why we use those facilities
0: so uh, a facility like texas motor speedway which is just an oval track oval track on one side and a and a uh i guess they have a drag strip associated with that that's just that's not a useful facility for this type of driving right technically actually
2: they do have a infield road course Um, at Texas Motor Speedway that they used to incorporate. They called it the roval. They used to incorporate it with the four banks, the oval. You would come off the banks and then turn into the infield, do a little bit of turns like a shape of a peanut, and then go back out on the bank. And that was a, actually, they road race that IMSA did. And Back in I think it was 1920, we were the first ones to run that track.
3: 1920? What?
2: Uh, oh, give 1920. It I'm really <laughs> dating myself. 2020. <laughs> you, you are an old art. guy. I, <laughs> we were the first ones <laughs> yeah. to run that track, the we first ones to ever do a nighttime event at that track because they have lights at that facility. But but typically now you cannot. it's just an oval they closed off the infield you can use the infield but it's it's too small to really use for our use right. you know so so but but it is an interesting track if you've never seen it uh, if you've never seen nascar it's something you need to go see sometime you know
0: so uh the club courses that you guys use are those ever used for actual competitive racing for sanctioned racing
2: amateur amateur but not no not not uh not professional racing so to speak scca and nasa just club races right. you know they do use those facilities for that
0: and what do most of the people well so for example if it's a club a club track there's going to be garages places mm-hmm. for you to store your car that you can rent from the track and people are going to be operating out there as you know they're obviously hobbyists that like to drive and they'll be out there all weekend with their with their mm-hmm. cars and stuff and mm-hmm. in in a situation like that what normally do you see in terms of cars in a in a situation well like
2: that? we mm-hmm. We we see a wide variety, but most of the client base has multiple cars. Right. So um, the the club tracks. If you could think about a marina, it's basically similar to a marina with the garages. You keep your boat out right. there, and yeah, then you're out on the lake. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, same thing with the club track, and that's why they have that. But but as far as the cars we see in the school and and. Uh, when we run the courses uh, the schools out there is is we see everything as you said from a camry to a mclaren you know <laughs> i mean right. it, and it's a wide variety one what though the fact is it's not the car that truly makes the speed it's what the driver does sure. with it and how well he knows or she well, knows how to handle it that's what know?
0: was pointed out to me by by uh by jeff uh he said uh my 997 i have a 2005 porsche 911 carrera s it's a 997 is porsche's number for that car and he he told me at the end of the day on saturday he said you're driving about 25 percent of this car <laughs> that's what he said this thing is far 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 away from the edge the way you're driving it today. And I know you're just getting started, but this thing will do things that you cannot imagine it will do. And, uh, I, that was impressive. That was where mm-hmm. impre- he'd owned a 05 997 mm-hmm. himself. He'd mm-hmm. driven my car, you know, he used to own one. So he knew exactly so, what he was talking about. And, uh,
3: and that's probably why you got Jeff, because. What Rick does is he interviews you, the student, and then he knows all of the instructors and he tries to match that instructor up to... The types of cars that you have or the needs mm-hmm. that you have the personality that you have so if you've ever talked to rick before you know signing up he's talking to you sometimes for an hour getting all that ready and then he matches each instructor with the students so that they'll have the best experience possible well, so I that's why you got really
0: jeff. impressed with jeff mm-hmm. uh yeah. he was he and i got along just fine and i just you know i Just soaked stuff up from him. He's, he's a good guy, very intelligent man and, uh, knew exactly how to communicate with me in real time in the car at my level. And I was impressed with, with his selection as a, as an instructor. Uh, and we, you know, we we train and and we do this for a living. That's what we do is the same Mm -hmm. exact Mm -hmm. thing. We teach Mm -hmm. people movement patterns and that's our business here. And right.
2: You, there's so many parallels with what we do, but I don't want to switch positions. I was thinking, how would it be if we just swap, you run a, our school and we'll run you.
0: No, thank you. No, 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 no. There's too much technical specialization. <laughs> yes, yes, Pedagogy is those, one yes. thing, but the thing yeah. you're teaching is another thing entirely.
2: Yeah. Right. And, and we've also seen you driving. So <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, you don't want me to, <laughs> I'm going to need to come back about 45 more times before I'll be in a position to teach anybody anything. So, uh, so, uh, Rick, what do you drive?
2: Well, uh, uh, on a daily basis basis or, no, no, I I don't care about
0: that. I mean, I I don't want to know about your truck. on, on
2: On the track. I originally started with an Audi Quattro, which is a very rare car. Um, it's an all wheel drive turbo car. Um, that they brought very few into the states, and and uh, that's what I started with because I have a background in pro rally, and that's a like a basic rally car. And then from there, I went to E thirty six M three for a little bit, and then I then I ended up with a NASCAR uh, truck, uh, short track truck, a NASCAR short track truck that we picked up in Illinois, and we converted it to turn left and right, and that was a lot of fun. But uh, to be honest, I haven't been driving on track and, and at speed um, in quite some time. I've been so busy with the school, right. um, I, and I enjoy <laughs> right seating it so much too. I, you know, we we live through our students, and that that's that's a lot of fun too. So, well, I'm so, in kind of the um, same
0: situation. I'm old, and beat up, and crippled, and I can't lift heavy weights anymore. I still train. Two or three mm-hmm. times a week, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm teaching people how to lift heavy things, not doing it myself anymore. So I've kind of in the same position you are.
2: Right, right. You know, I, out of those those vehicles, the funnest one was by far the NASCAR truck because you would steer it with the throttle rather than the steering wheel, and uh, you would get it to rotate with the throttle, and that was just a hoot to to run around the track and it's an old, you could get the parts anywhere you wanted. And, and that was a lot of fun, but, um, um, you know, something you, you, you talked about and you understand this, so even though I haven't been driving on track in a while, you still enjoy the sharing, the aspect and yeah. the value of the teaching right. through the, what you've learned over the years and, and such. And, oh, yeah. and that, that's the, the fun part of it. And, uh, you know, we talked about how we build instructors from within. Well, we we do our own instructor clinic um, because there's so much of a. You get the physics down, and there's so much more mental, psychic that goes into instructing and how to communicate and read people. Right. And um, the the drivers that come through our instructor clinic, it's a whole new ballgame, and they do enjoy that aspect of sharing and, and living through the students too, but they still drive themselves and hone their skills too. But, um, it's, it's just been such a, a, a fun journey through here. And you, you've had the same experiences with what you do too. I'm sure.
0: We have a rather specialized certification that we offer, um uh, that we call the starting strength coach certification and people come to us, uh, in the seminars, uh, a to see the material and be, be taught and b, uh, once they've mastered the material, they come to get certified as a starting strength coach. And, uh, our pass rate is not very high. And, uh, the, uh, now the the credential is is quite valuable because people call you every week for your services as a starting great coach, which is not something that happens with any of the certification in this industry. And uh, so we're th- there are more parallels uh, between our operations than I'd even thought of before. But uh, mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. Catherine, what do you drive? Let's not leave you out of this. I want to know what's what. <laughs> What do you well, have parked um, in the garage?
3: Um I have my little Mercedes SLK 350. Um Rick retired it um one time when I had a control arm issue and and it was my daily drive because you know we're driving our own cars but now that i'm driving another car that i use for work um mercy is her name is going to go through a checkup and get back out on track so um, i've got a friend who loves to work on german cars and he wants to get the suspension all ready to go and she'll probably come out and track now in the meantime i've been driving a friend's um, bmw and uh, her car is modified quite a bit and i've had great fun driving her bmw so well she she, we did she didn't want to leave me out for she said you you can't just teach in the classroom you have to get on track so i get get out there with the greens and see how they're doing and it gives me a chance it gives me material to to cover in class but um you know, it's 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 a little bit scary driving someone else's car. Mm-hmm. And you know, when I when I talked to her about it, and when she first made me drive it, um, I said, "I don't, I, you know, I don't want to hurt your car. I mean, that would take you out for the session, you know, the rest of the the event if I would run off track by mistake mm-hmm. and and hurt your car." And she goes, "Ah, drive it, drive." it. she she, <laughs> she uses. Lots of little four letter words and but drive the hell out of it. I don't care. If it breaks, we'll fix it, you know. And so she's
0: Well, that's cool. Yeah, she's uh she's
3: very um she, she's a very good friend to have when when it comes to tracking. So and Archie has made his appearance. So oh, that, here we are. Yeah. So
1: <laughs>
3: but yeah, I um and hers is a standard, mine was a, a, a an automatic. And the, the 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 challenge with the Mercedes is is that it's a heavy car and mercedes likes to protect its transmissions and so i it did have a slapstick um feature to it and when i try to drive it in a semi-manual way i would downshift and it would in the middle of a turn up shift on me oh, because shit. it didn't think i really I, meant it you didn't just, really mean you know, it, it, i just cannot yeah.
0: stand an automatic transmission yeah. for yeah purposes i know like that. the only one i've got is in my forerunner and uh it's kind of a SUV, and I thought, well, one of these days, if my knee goes ahead and goes completely out, I'll have to be able to drive something. So I, so I got this thing, and uh, but all the rest of the cars are are sticks. I got two trucks, two cars that are sticks, and I'm just, you know, from what I understand, Mercedes has not put a manual transmission in a car since 2005.
3: And you know. It, it it we it it was one of the things that held me back for a long time because you know, when that when that upshift happens in an in the hairpin on the, the Crescent three point one, which yeah. is a very technical course, I found myself completely turned 180 looking at cars coming at me. Yeah, that's, not, you know? that's a bad and feeling. It, yeah. yeah. So, you know, fortunately everybody, is, you know, at that hairpin, people slow down for the hairpin. So, you know, it wasn't too awfully dangerous, but but my instructor who was the person who got me into this whole thing said, well, you're just gonna have to learn the workaround. What is the workaround? And we figured it. they said, Catherine, you'll never make it into the yellow run group in that car. And I did. I made it to the LRun group. So well, what would be the uh, workaround
0: uh, around an automatic transmission? That's going to change your input.
3: Well, so yeah, what we, what I learned about the lunging that it would do in the transmission would change is if I was going too slow, it was when it would happen. So I knew I had to pick up the speed to keep it from doing what it was doing. A mm-hmm. B I bought some really high octane, um, additive. I tried racing fuel. My car loved that, but the racing fuel at you know at that time was ten eleven dollars per gallon. You don't want to be doing that all weekend long. No. So I bought a an additive that added thirty octane to the car. So between that and managing the speed, um, it like I said, it wouldn't lunge if I kept the speed up, which made me it pushed me to to get out of my comfort zone and keep that speed up. What
0: you should have been doing anyway, basically.
3: Exactly. Exactly. Yes.
2: Well, we always say the easiest fix to an ill handling car or a car that's not behaving right is adjusting the driver. Yes. and she had to adjust around the situation, and it comes in where she anticipates when it's going to go wrong, and she alters what she's doing so she can override that anticipation and 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 that from happening. Plus, nowadays the her car is an 9 isn't it an 09, Catherine? Yes, I forget. It is. Yes. Yeah. Um, nowadays, the paddle shifting and the automatics are much more refined and much more responsive to the driver. Um, so they're they're much better and much more adaptable to what we do. But I like you, Mark. I like to do a manual. But let's be honest, buddy. We can't shift as quick as a paddle shifter. No, can. Hey, I,
0: you know, I, I'm not arguing that. I'm not arguing yeah. that. I've, I've talked to people about this. Uh, all over everywhere and everybody says that a modern automatic transmission the car will go faster with a modern automatic transmission and i don't care i like to shift the gears it's part of
2: driving i have to feel part of the car and i agree with you i i agree with you trust me um and it's all part of the aspect but but uh things are leaving us behind. And next oh, thing you know they'll have electric cars or something. Who knows?
0: Well, you know, if you you know, state of California thinks they can legislate physics. So we'll you know, see how that we'll see how that goes. But
2: uh Oh, oh this isn't gonna turn political, is it? Oh
0: not not <laughs> not well, maybe. But <laughs> sometimes sometimes we veer off in that direction. But uh so what uh, are right, at, at Eagle Canyon Raceway, I think you guys had 80 people that weekend in October. Yes. Yes. What is the normal, uh, attendance at that particular track? How many Well, it's you... about
2: 80 to a hundred. Um, and, and that's, that's what you want to deal with because they're split up into four level run groups. Right. So right. you, you just, um, and oh. it. It's all dictated on what their experience is, what records we have on them, what their skill sets are, and so on, where, which run group they're placed in. Mm-hmm. And then we take it, take it from there. So um, that, that's what we run typically. So. Uh,
0: does that vary with the track?
2: Yes, it does. Um, the length of the track and the amount of passing zones will dictate the car number. Um, besides sales, of course, mm-hmm. um, dictates car number two, but the typically the, if you have more passing zones and the length of the track is longer, you're going to have a higher volume of cars. Okay. Um, and we're running mm-hmm. a ratio of, of, uh, of one instructor per two students um so each instructor will instruct in two level run groups in in uh, a two-day course in a single day they'll just do one but but it's a lot of hands-on a lot of uh, one-on-one time and that's what we i think what benefits the customer the most, oh, it does. The the most so,
0: without a question without a question that mm-hmm. i would i don't i can't imagine going out on that track even for the third the third time through the course without somebody in the car telling me what to do and helping hone my responses to the thing, I can't imagine it. I can't Don't
2: imagine. Don't get me on my soapbox. Um, I've been in this industry for 28 years, and that's one of my biggest gripes. There are, are organizations you can do that. They'll put you on the track without an instructor in the car, or they'll solo you after you've done it once or twice, there's really no true evaluation of the driver's skill set in depth and detail. You don't hand a kid a gun and say, go shoot the target. You teach them how to do that. Same thing with a car and it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. And um, that's, you know, the typical question we get from a new student who's very aggressive is, how long before I'm solo? How many times? And it's not a punch card. You can't. It's it's, it's dictated by their skill sets. Well, Some of them never become solo. Why would you, you know? want to
0: be solo? You're there to well, I, learn. That's a good question, Mark. You, why you're why there to do? learn. Oh, no. I can't learn well, by myself. Well, well, once again, you
2: think you know everything and, you know. There are those so, uh, who
3: think they know how to drive and are offended <laughs> when we tell them that we're putting an instructor in the car. And this is what separates us from a lot of other organizations is that we are pretty stringent about when you are ready to advance. And when people get upset because we're putting an instructor in the car, maybe we've never seen them. And they'll say, well, I have all this experience and that's what you're telling us but we need to see that you that right. you can drive at the level you say you can. So right. or, um, anyway, a lot of people thing, get upset that about standards. it.
2: Yeah.
0: Well so it, I, we, I mean if, if you are actually at that level it will become apparent pretty quick. exactly. It'll become apparent that, that next time you come, you get to go to the yellow group. But
3: Well right. if if they come and demonstrate that they know the skills, we'll advance them the next session. You don't have to stay in that group So just show oh, us really? what you. Oh really? That's know. not that's not just yeah, yeah, the whole weekend. Yeah. Right. No, no, no. no, no we'll no. advance you to the level that is the level where you're gonna be learning the most. And right. of course, our red run group is completely solo. You have to you have to qualify to get into the Red Run group and be completely solo. But even at that, if I'm a Red Run group um, driver. I would love to get an instructor back in my car to make sure I haven't picked up any bad habits sure. or um, of course. maybe I can take another two seconds off my time. If somebody could show me what I'm doing wrong. Oh, sure. Or everybody
0: needs coaching.
3: Yes, You know, absolutely.
0: everybody needs coaching because the coaches need coaching. Coaches need coaching. Absolutely. The coach that doesn't think at, he needs coaching is not a coach. He doesn't you know, people, know what the hell he's talking about.
3: You know, people will say, well, I'm so, I mean, even executives, I mean, the good ones all have coaches. And you look at an NFL quarterback who's doing very well. He's got a coach of his own, you know, Mm -hmm. so everybody who's successful has a coach. So there's no reason why it should be offensive if we want to put a coach in the car with you.
0: No, no, it shouldn't be. And the fact that it is offensive indicates something uh, about that guy that maybe you don't want him around. (laughs)
2: You know? yeah. Well, and he's also limiting himself to learning, plain and well, simple.
0: And you, know? it, uh, you get in the red group, basically you're just renting the track.
3: Pretty much. Well, well, and you yeah, get to just, your I mean, you're in a car or by yourself. You get to or. challenge yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and, you anyway. know, there are people who are members of these club tracks. And they they get member days where they're only paying I don't know, $25 a session, okay? Uh, because they're a member of the track. So it's like Green's fees, you know, so they'll get. But yet they'll still pay our fees to run with us. And you will have to ask yourself, wait, you get free track or, you know, next to free. Why do you want to run with us? Because you want to run with other people who are the same skill level. See how you do, see Mm -hmm. if you can pass them. You trade passes, you play, you know, it's, it's, it's great fun to run with people who are of the same skill level as you are.
0: Right. Right. I've been lifting weights for 47 years. I've been lifting weights for 47 years and I need eyeballs on my lifts. Everybody does. And if the minute you think you've got that, that is not ever the case because you can't tell when your form creeps, you can't tell when you're making a mistake because you accumulate mistakes gradually. Exactly. And it takes another pair of eyes to point that out to you because you can't tell, you can't Mm -hmm. tell. And in the car, it's going to be the same thing
2: exactly absolutely
3: so can i say something before we run out of time is that one of the things that we pride ourselves in is the emphasis on safety um the incident the amount of incidences that we have are far less than any other organization that i know of but at the same time when you think about us being Inches from each other and passing and being on each other's bumpers, and yet we don't have fatalities. We don't have, I mean, the motorcycle groups that sometimes run the same track on an adjacent track, the ambulances are over there all the time.
0: You know, I I I would rather
3: be, yeah, I, I would rather be in four wheels covered than two wheels, but. We emphasize safety so much. And that's another reason why we are so stringent about advancing people. So we um, talk safety throughout the whole weekend because we wanna make sure everybody has a good time and as much as possible take their cars home in the same shape that they brought them with a little less brake and a little less tires.
0: Well, you know, it's it takes an experience like this, being on the track yourself, driving with people that are not very far away from you to appreciate, exactly what the hell goes on on a nascar track mm-hmm. you guys are going 180 miles an hour and they're yeah. six inches away from somebody else going 180 miles an hour and mm-hmm. you you have no idea how crazy that is yeah. until you have done it at 70 miles an hour right you know it's just right. uh, those guys that is an amazing set of reflexes on these guys you know, Gives you a yeah.
3: whole new level of
0: respect, doesn't it? Oh, it does. Oh, yes, it yeah. does.
2: And there's also an intuition that, that they have that comes into play. Um, and that's something we talk about in class is intuition and how how we actually need to listen to it when we're behind the wheel, too. You know, so oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's uh it's a very fascinating and uh, very enlightening at the same time, very eye-opening. Most of the people come to the course and they don't really do much preparation, they think because they've been driving all their lives. And let's be frank, Texas has straightaways, six lane highways. Yeah, It's not Tennessee with the switchbacks and the mountains and the hills. You come to the racetrack, you've got corners, you've got elevation, you've got these aspects you're not used to. And then you got demands on yourself and the drivers, literally Saturday night, they're fatigued and tired. They just have dinner and go to bed. Right. And, uh, and you have and,
0: no idea what paying this much attention to something for hours and hours mm-hmm. uh, cost you in terms of fatigue. It exactly. it it really is amazing, you know, because mm-hmm. you cannot relax.
2: Mm-hmm. You cannot well, relax. Well, you have you, to relax. You, well, but,
0: but you, you, you work through it. Let's let's talk about what we mean by relaxation. Though I mean, you can't. Okay. You you physically have to relax. But you are paying attention at a level far beyond what the normal day requires.
3: Right. Right, you cannot let your mind drift at all to wonder what's for dinner tonight. Oops, I'm off track. You know, you have to be laser focused the entire time, and mental fatigue can be just as tiring, if not more, than physical fatigue. So, oh, certainly.
2: Plain and simple, it's track awareness. We we speak about all the time, and and you have to engage all your sensors. Not only feel touch, not only vision, but also smell and um, hearing come into play hugely in driving. You know, so it's it's a uh, well rounded.
0: So let's talk about uh, what you expect uh, when people show up to the course on Saturday morning. What. What are they, what can they, what car can they bring? What set of experiences do you require them to have? What's, uh, what are the baseline?
2: Great question. Um, uh, we do send them a little bit of homework, so they have a little bit of homework to learn the flags and learn a, a little bit about what they're going to be doing. They also have to have the car pre-inspected. Um, we send them a tech sheet where they, uh, get the car checked out. We want to be sure once again, the safety is paramount and we want to be sure the car is track worthy before they bring mm-hmm.
0: it. And, uh, Tires are hard, in, in, in this, yeah, in this situation, it, what, what tires do you want
2: yeah and we do have a tire rule we don't allow them to run race tires until they're proven their skills in the higher levels the advanced run group uh before that we want them on basic street tires with at least a uh, 120 tread wear and um and so they can work on their skills and car balance um before they they're given up to the race tires and so on and so forth but as far as the driver, um, the hardest thing, I think, for the driver who's never done this before coming into it is to get in good sleep the night before. They're probably mm-hmm. quite apprehensive because they're entering an arena they've never been before. There's a lot of unknowns that they're coming into. But we've been doing this so long, we literally take them by the hand and guide them through the program and they they have that instructor next to them when they're out on the mm-hmm. track so they're never really left alone and we stay on top of them in in class um so uh, they're they're always engaged um so they being present and ready to learn and accept is is uh, is is uh, gonna benefit them quite well
0: caffeine's a good idea too isn't it
3: mm-hmm. it can be it can also be it can i mean it's it, so, so we had one, one driver, um, and this, this is like the only time in the six years I've been working with Rick that I've ever seen this, but, uh, she, she was paralyzed by anxiety. You know, she get out there and get up to speed and then have to come into the hot pit and sit and, and, and figure, you know, oh, calm God. herself down. So in her situation, caffeine wouldn't work. We do try, especially, you know, after day one, when we've had a chance to, have them in our space is talk about, you know, what is a healthy way to present yourself the next day. And that's no alcohol or or maybe one glass or one beer, but no more than that. Because even if even if you feel great the next morning, you've dehydrated yourself if you drink too much. So we talk about healthy eating, healthy drinking, um, because you do need that laser mental focus. And if you're hungover, there's no way you should be on the track no, and no, you sh- you're you putting other people no, at risk. No, no. And not, if you're only
0: 85%, percent yeah. you need to just sit you down just need to, up.
3: Yeah. Right. So, and, exactly. and the thing that I always thought about as a new student is I have an instructor in the car. Yes. I don't want to hurt my car, but I have a, a, a person who has agreed to come at speed with me, who doesn't know anything, I want to make sure that I'm doing the things that take care of them. And then there's the other cars around me. I'm, I don't want to cause any issues or have any problems because of something I've done. So,
0: Right. right. Is there a baseline car that you would advise people to show up in?
2: Well, um, that's a good question. Um, a lot of people always source the Miatas and I'm frankly, I'm not a Miata fan. It might have something to do with my size, but uh, I always (laughs) like the BMWs, the Porsches, the, you know, something, something like that. We see a lot of Corvettes. We see a lot of Mustangs. Um, we see a lot of the BRZs. Um, and, uh, you know, you know over the years it's changed it's interesting what you see on track has changed quite a bit um and and let's face it nowadays you can get anything with 500 horsepower off the showroom floor practically and it, it's just uh what bothers me is is how can you handle that without training in all well, honesty you, you can't you know
0: I, that's an interesting that's an interesting observation i had a uh and I sold this thing last year. I had a, a 2011 model, uh, GT 500 Shelby Mustang.
2: You had a weapon,
0: it, I, <laughs> I, I, Rick, this thing was a fucking death trap. Yeah. I, it's a fucking death trap. It had a solid rear axle uh-huh. and I'm, it had about three times as much engine as it had suspension. And I only had that thing up to 120 mile an hour one time out on the highway just to see what it would do. And it it was all kind of room left. But I it terrified me Mm -hmm. because I thought this just doesn't feel right. I am about to leave the pavement Mm -hmm. and I, I hated it. I really did. I hated the damn thing. Now it, it was dependable car. It started every time, which was in stark contrast to my BMW. And it was it was a uh, uh, it was it sounded good. Oh my God, it sounded beautiful. And it was a you know it was a it was a nice six speed, you know, old style muscle car. But the damn thing was a death trap, and uh, I got rid of that and bought the Porsche. Mm-hmm. and it's a you know, completely different type of car. Mm-hmm. It it's just absolutely amazing.
3: But for someone who's coming out for the first time, bring your Camry, it doesn't matter. You don't know what you're doing anyway. Look to see right. if you even like this sport. Um we don't allow most SUVs. They're too top heavy, so right. there's a rule about, you know, but there are some sport model SUVs that that are uh, that meet the requirements.
2: Exceptable. Yeah, there's a, a yeah. rule that track width has to be wider than the height of the vehicle. But I think what Catherine's really harping on is... is Let's be frank, the cars today are faster than we are, Right. and you do yourself an injustice to bring something in it that's so much faster than you are, and it's, it's better to have something closer to your capabilities and learn up to that, and then add the horsepower. Well, and the- no, that's precisely
0: why I drove the Porsche instead yep. of the M6, because yep. the M6 is scary. Now, it, it's not scary like the Mustang was. Mm-hmm. but it is, it's real, real, real fast. And I, it's like you say, it was faster than I am quite a bit. So I, I brought the Porsche, which is a more realistic car. And I, you know, as, as Jeff pointed out to me, you're driving 25% of this damn thing. You're not even <laughs> it's, it's not your even challenging. Gone. How much of it, how much of the BMW would I have been driving? You know, 10% of the, of the fucking thing The thing was, uh, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a fascinating experience, but I, and I, I remember seeing that kid out there in the Camry, and I thought, you know, that's not real stupid, you know? It, it kind of looks well, we stupid not at hurt first, it much. But, yeah.
3: but, you yeah.
0: know, it, it does look stupid if you're, you know, big muscle uh-huh. car guy. The guy's out there in a Camry, but he's learning to drive. And if all so, he can drive is the Camry, then that's what he needs to have in, on the track. Well, you and if you
3: think, I, I think I would like to try this sport, but I don't have, I don't have a car. Let me just take out my daily drive, see if I even like it. Right. And then maybe after three or four times, I, you know what, I really want to pursue this right. as a sport, as a hobby or whatever. Then I'm going to go get the cheapest thing you can go get is a Miata and the parts are easy to replace, you know, they're, they're, so (laughs) then you start, then you start building up and you start acquiring your car to go with your skill level. Now I've had a guy come up to me, he was thinking about trying this. He was a friend, and he said, "Hey, I'm starting to do modifications on my car. What should I do next?" And I said, "Don't modify your car. Not until you find out what you need after no. you've been on a track. Hey, you I may said, wreck
0: it."
2: You won't I mean,
3: do. <laughs> I said, "You don't need turbo power. This and that is a green student. Get your get have nice, good street tires, good brakes, and then as you start working, see what you need. But don't start all these modifications because you." Aren't at the skill level to even use them, well, and so you're wasting the money.
0: So. It, it, Jeff was 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 there that weekend in his Miata, and you guys mm-hmm. have the instructors uh, mm-hmm. on the track for their session two times a day, I believe, and and he on the the last time on Saturday, he said, "Here, ride with me on the on the instructor session. I'll show you some stuff," and. That I learned as much riding with him as I did driving the car. And Mm -hmm. it's a Miata. It was a Miata. He had his foot on the floor Mm
1: -hmm.
0: of that thing. In every one of the straightaways, he had his foot all the way on the floor. You Mm -hmm. know, it's a one point eight liter four cylinder engine, you know. Mm -hmm. But the damn little things handle. You know, right. and well, you I know why everybody likes them because they'll corner like a like an expensive right. car. But right. uh, well, you
3: actually learn more driving a Miata because you actually have to drive it because right. you actually have to i mean you rarely ever use the brakes you know uh, because you need that momentum right. so you actually learn more driving the Miata because you learn the strategy of the turns and the corners right. and then when you get into some of these other cars now you've got this muscle memory in your head because that's what we're building in the classes yeah. and, and on the track is muscle memory on how to do what we do teaching on track. your hands so, and
0: feet to drive the car
3: exactly
2: right. mm-hmm You know, so many people uh, throw uh, performance into their car before they ever come to the track. Mm -hmm. And um, then after they take the course, they realize they only use 25% of the car. So um, we always say, was this worth the the money you spent, the value in learning? And they say, by far, because now they truly understand Mm -hmm. their car, and now they know what they need to work on. So you, you- I can't drive it home enough. You need to build a, a, a good performance base before you of your driving skills before you start adding performance to your car.
0: And I you wouldn't know? bring that M6 out there. That w- If I come to the course five times, I might bring the M6 on the fifth shot mm-hmm. because it's so far in excess of what I can handle. Right, and
2: it's also a heavy car, and the Porsche is much more adapt to what we're doing. But the M6, don't get me wrong, it's a bad, bad car. It'll go like a bat out of hell, you know? So, I mean, it would be fun to do it, though. So, with four people with you, too.
0: (laughs) No, this is is an M6 Coupe. Oh, really? This is a M6 Coupe. The engine mm-hmm. is making about 635 horsepower at the mm-hmm. wheels, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's a it's a you know stick. It's a three pedal M6. There weren't very many of them made. That and, sounds cool. And, but this this it's a stupid car. It's dangerous and stupid. The mm-hmm. the Porsche was a much better decision. Mm-hmm. And had I showed up in the M6 just to you know be a smart ass or show off or whatever i would not have gotten anywhere close to as much out of the experience as i did driving the porsche a little harder than i would have had when i would have been able to drive em6 mm-hmm. right, so,
2: right 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 uh, well With- we, re- we really, one of the things I tell the green students is we really don't care who's the fastest one out there, what we're concerned with and what we really value is the ones that are learning the most mm-hmm. and taking, taking the, the benefit of what we have to offer and applying that. And that will uh, be much more rewarding than any straight line speed, you know. And besides, anybody can go fast in a straight line, pretty much. It's the corners that separate us. Well,
0: we saw that with the Camaros and the Mustangs Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. weekend. Yeah, they'll pass you on the straightways, but, uh, I, you know.
3: I'd You'll catch them in the corners. I'd be yeah. scared
0: of. I'd be scared of a Mustang in a hard corner. I just. I guess the new the six generations are probably a lot better cars.
2: Oh, they are a lot better. The Mustang has come a long way since we started this. They actually handle now quite well, and bang for the buck, they're a, a great vehicle. Um, the new Corvette C8's giving everybody a little bit of run for its money, too. We're starting to see a lot of those come out, even though, in my opinion, a Corvette has an engine in the front, not in the middle. Mm-hmm. But that's another story. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, the C8 is doing quite well on the track, too. So.
0: If you were to, Catherine, if you were to, to, to be able to buy any car you wanted to do this in, what would it be?
3: You know, um, I really like the BMW. Um, I know those that have them say that they're repairing them all the time, but I do love. Mainly thrown
0: pieces of shit. That's what they are. Yeah. So
3: it, it fits my body.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: They fit my body. I mean, my friend Nicole's car, it just feels right when I'm sitting in it. Um, in the Mercedes I'm. I'm sliding in the seat. The seat's too wide. We can't keep me, (laughs) you know. So um, I would do that. Um, I would actually even think, I I told myself never a Miata, but I might even actually short-term think about a Miata to improve my driving skills and then go on to a better car.
0: Do they make a Miata with an actual engine in it or not?
3: well, well they, you know they you, make have to, you have to your feet run along the bottom you know but yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they make kits
2: where you can put a v8 in them and those oh, are God. scary though. yeah, yeah. no evil. i wouldn't
3: i you know i wouldn't want to be on the track with somebody with that either because you know I'm i think they stay on the ground i yeah. i don't know there was one miata that seemed um um that had a lot of modifications and you know that causes some tr- troubles too because i don't you know the miata in my mind, can only do so so much, and then you over-modify some cars, and it's a recipe for trouble.
2: Wasn't in the original design of the vehicle, is yeah. what you're, yeah. you're talking about. Right? You yeah. put
0: a different engine in it, and the chassis is mounted to the is matched to the one point eight or whatever that little thing is. Yeah,
3: yeah.
2: and you're gonna, now,
0: you know, there's gonna be stresses I'm, that the thing's not designed for. Sure.
3: There's there's a Porsche that I would drive also, but you know, not a Boxster. Um, I'm trying to remember. I'm having a brain uh, fog at the moment.
0: It's um, probably some version of a 911.
3: Yeah. So, but um, but I need to. I haven't been driving as much as I'd like to. But once we retired my car, so once I get back my skill back up to the level that I like, right. um, then I would like to to invest in a car that would be. Um, something that I could really enjoy and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, show up the, the, the big guys, you know,
0: Rick, what's your choice for a car for the,
2: um, I've been an Audi fan for most of my life. So I would probably have to fall on an R8 10 cylinder, um, something in that realm. But, but as I think about the question, it's not necessarily the part of this is, is being fun. And that car wouldn't necessarily be fun because it's such a technical giant. You mm-hmm. want to have you want to have fun while you're doing this, so that reverts you back to a rear-wheel drive, high horsepower car, something like the NASCAR truck or something like that, right. where you could actually enjoy throwing the car or dancing with the car would be a better word around the track. You know, so something something like that would be a, a, a little. Funner, you know, um, in that aspect. But if you're um,
3: bringing out a, a McLaren, are you really focusing on driving? Or are you worried about hurting your car? I mean, well, oh yeah. I mean,
0: God, what? Yeah. 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 Why would you bring a five hundred thousand dollar car?
3: We've seen it. To
0: a weekend like this, that's crazy. Oh,
3: yeah. 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 So oh, I world. would want a car that I'm not so worried about botching up. So it wouldn't be brand new for sure. You know, so, um, you know, you buy a brand new car and I think that that takes it's a very just it's very distracting because someone gets close to you and you haven't had that first scratch yet. Right. And you're like, oh, my God, get away from me. You know, so right. um, well, you I can't would be thinking a car. about that. No, you can't. Well, it has to be a car. You don't mind that if you go off track and you pick up some gravel and some tar and all that stuff, you're OK with it.
0: Right.
2: Right. Yeah, and, but the track is frankly cleaner than any highway you drove to yeah, to get well, to it. Well, well especially if you're on I twenty. Uh, you
3: know, yeah, you know, if you're on so, I twenty going to Shreveport. You know, that's the worst. Oh, no, don't even. Yes. Well, we're talking yeah, about Louisiana yeah. roads. Come on, <laughs> yeah, <those> are, <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, you can More tell like when Oklahoma you cross the state alone, line. You're like, you know? oh my gosh. So. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, it's. Uh, well, I guess my 05 Porsche is probably a pretty good choice for this. Then it. There I, you so go. Maybe too. I'll keep it.
3: Yeah, I think you should. <laughs>
0: maybe I'll keep it. If and I maybe... can get the damn thing fixed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's been a problem.
2: Well, we uh-huh. do know people, so let I'll me be, know. I may, may have to go. call
0: you about that, Rick. Yeah. <laughs> the, the guy that's got it right now is not showing a lot of promise, so we we'll, may have to move it down there. Yeah. So, yeah. anyway. All right. I've got the BMW in a, in a shop in Dallas right now, too. Those guys are beginning to worry me. They're trying to find that battery drain trace the code down and they've had it four weeks and oh that's, that's just uh
2: electrical yeah. can be a nightmare
0: oh, on a the bmw there are 52 relays in that car
3: now yeah, i know someone that could it, probably help you with that well
0: so. yeah all right well,
3: <laughs> I'm, yeah, i'll talk did, to he, you
0: about that because that's he's an
3: electrical <laughs> engineer and um He's he used to be called in um, when for Audi when they couldn't figure out why an accident happened he would call and and do the troubleshooting and the analysis of it and figure it out. So.
0: Well, I'm going to get on the phone with you here in just a couple of minutes, Catherine. <laughs> He's in
3: Houston you, though. You have to be willing care. to take it to Houston. I could drive yeah. to Houston. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Well, all right, guys. I sure do appreciate your being here. We've been with Rick Schwallenberg and Catherine. Uh, Hatcher and uh, you guys, if you've got the slightest interest in driving a car fast, uh, get a hold of these guys and and uh, go to their course. It's a great, it's a lot of fun, and you're going to learn a whole bunch of stuff. And I can tell from talking to these people with us today that uh, these are good folks, and and uh, you're going to. This is going to be well invested time and money. Uh, Guys, thank you. Thank you. I'll be seeing you again soon. All right. Look forward to it. Absolutely. And thank you guys for watching us. Thanks for watching us on Starting Strength Radio. We'll see you next time.